believe it is, can go downstairs for Children's Church. Children's Church, anyone? <laughs> I think you're a little too old, brother. <laughs> I, I title this message, Abide in Me. Abide in Me. The Bible Dictionary gives the definition for the word abide, and it says to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. Abide, continue, dwell, or to endure. We have to endure some things sometimes, right? We've got to stay in a place. We've got to be planted. Just like the, just like the tree with, that's planted by the water, it, it, its roots grow, grow down deep. And there's a scripture about that. But it makes me think about down on the Missouri River. There's some big, gigantic, huge cottonwoods. You don't see trees that I know of around here that get any bigger than the ones that are on the river. They're planted by the water and, and the roots go down deep into the, into the ground. And they're down below the water table and they have that water, that constant supply all the time, right? Just like, just like we have to abide in Jesus because we, we need that constant supply all the time. If you want to grow up, if you want to get bigger, if you want to get stronger, you got to have that root, yeah. right? You got, you got to abide in him. So we're going to be in the, in the, the when he t- talks about the vine, John 15, 1 through 8 and 11 this morning, right? So God didn't give me too many notes today. Either that means he's going to inspire me and preach through me. Or that means I'm not going to preach long. We'll see what happens here, right? I didn't know when he gave me this. He gave me just a few pages of notes. Whether that meant that he was just going. He took over here on Wednesday night, and it was a beautiful thing, and and it was much better than I could have taught you anyway. So, he goes on to say in, in, in 15 and 1, it says, "I am the true vine." Jesus talking. And my father is the vine dresser. These are written in red in your Bible if you have a red letter edition. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. There's a whole sermon right there in that, but I want to talk to you first what the word, what the word fruit means. Because I got to thinking about fruit. What, what does fruit mean to you? And, and you don't have to answer this morning, but sometimes we think of fruit as, as something that we do or, or some change that we've made in our life, or we don't do that anymore, so maybe we consider that a fruit. But, but is the fruit that you're producing today, is that fruit from you or is it from Jesus? Because sometimes we, we get to thinking the things that we can accomplish on our own and the things that I can figure out and the changes that I make in my life, sometimes I might consider that fruit. We're going to read on a little bit what, what he says about that. But, but the, in the Greek, the word fruit means a work or act, a deed. It gives three different meanings. This is A, work, act, or deed. B is advantage or profit. C is together fruit, i.e. repeated harvest. Now think about that right there. Repeated harvest into life eternal. To produce fruit means that we're seeing souls saved for his kingdom then, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? This is the Greek translation. This is not me making this up. Into a life eternal, a repeated harvest. That means over and over and over and over again. Think about the fruit of a plant. The fruit of the plant always contains the seeds. There is no fruit that doesn't have the seed in the middle of it. So when that tree grows up, it produces fruit. The fruit falls off. A tree, another tree grows back up, right? Let's use an apple tree, for example. The apple falls off the tree if you don't pick it up and eat it, and the seed the, you know, the apple rots away, and the, the, the part that we think is good, it rots. Think about the meaning of that right there. The part that we think is good, it rots, or the part that seems to be sweet or delightful, it rots, but the seed goes in the ground and produces another tree, and so on. Repeated, it's repeated over and over again into life eternal. He's talking about people, though. He's talking about harvesting souls for the kingdom. 
Amen. Are y'all going to be quiet this quiet all day long? Let's do this. Shake it out a little bit. Get loosened up. You got an amen in there? A hallelujah? We're a Pentecostal church, and I'm a participatory preacher. If you want to get out here anytime soon, doesn't matter how many notes I got. I could talk for a long time on just this. If you want to get out here anytime soon, I'm going to need a few amens, a hallelujah, head nodding, right? You can even say preach if you want to. My uncle said he preached in a, in a, in a church one time, and, they, and what they said was, well, they'd holler, well, whatever you like, whatever fits you, but, but I need you to get involved, right? I need to know that you're not sleeping, right? It means into eternal life as in a granary. Anybody know what a granary is? Well, I didn't, so I, t- I looked it up for you. A granary is a storehouse for threshing grain, a region producing large quantities of corn. Now, think about this. You don't need a storehouse for one apple or one ear of corn. you got to have a lot of fruit to need a, to, to need a storehouse, right? God's interested in a lot, of fr- a lot of fruit, a lot of repeated fruit over and over and over again, right? So this is word in this figure, it's used in this figure, this, I'm still reading from, from the Greek, is used in this figure, discourse of those who by their labors have fitted souls to obtain eternal life. I'm still talking about fruit. By your labors, by your actions, by your lifestyle, you've obtained people to, to, to or, or you've fitted people to obtain eternal life. Think about that. By the seeds that drop off of your tree. By the fruit you're producing, not because you think you're good enough, not because of something you think you've done or you think you've accomplished, not because of how much money you make, because of the seed that you're producing in your life. I just spit a little bit. You see that? It'll be all right. That's good. So let's read this again then. In verse 2 it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. When's the last time you've seen soul saved for the kingdom? Not in church, in your life. Because of your fruit, because of your seeds. Think about that. Don't get quiet now. I'll know where I'm right where I need to be at. He takes away every branch that, that bears fruit, or he takes away every branch that does not bear fruit, God takes away. He takes it out. He takes it off the branch, right? Or he takes the branch off the vine. We haven't been removed from the vine yet this morning, right, church? He takes the branch off the vine. And, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. He's going to take some things away. He's going to cut some things out. It's going to cost you something if you're going to serve God. It's not free. It's not cheap, right? It is free, but it's not cheap. He prunes it that it may become more or that it may bear more fruit. So he's not doing it to be mean to you. He's not doing it because he doesn't love you. He's doing it so that he can produce more fruit in this world. He wants to see more souls saved for the kingdom. We've got to get involved in the church to do that. We've got to grow up spiritually to do that. You can't come and sit on the chair, the little blue chair, Sister Sharon. You can't sit there and just be a baby Christian all your life. I'm not picking on Sister Sharon for being a baby Christian. That's not what I mean. She tells me that when we get new chairs, they're not going to be little blue anymore. I'm not going to say that. So uh, anyway, God's going to prune that to make more fruit. He's interested in fruit. He's interested in much fruit. He's interested in storehouses full of fruit, right? And that's what producing fruit is, is to see souls saved for the kingdom. That's what he's saying right here in this. This is Jesus talking, not me, right? Three says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's talking to the church. You're already saved because the word of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and paid for your sins once and for all, all of them. The Bible says he'll take that sin and water it up and cast it as far as the east is from the west. That's good right there. Amen? We've been saved. We're on our way to heaven. What about the fruit? 
What about the fruit? Where are the souls saved? Where are these people at, right? <clears throat> Four says, abide in me. I've already gave you the definition for the word abide. It means you've got to stay, right? You've got to stay the course. You've got to dwell. You've got to endure. You've got to go through, through some things. You're going to be pruned on. There's going to be some things removed out of your life. It's going to cost you something. Amen? You've got to be rooted. Amen? Abide in me, in Jesus, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. That tells me that whatever works that I do, if they're not rooted in him, whatever thing that I might think my fruit is, I'm mistaken. It's not going to count for anything. Amen? Doesn't matter how much money I make. Doesn't matter what things I collect. Doesn't matter how good a boy that I think I am. It's all for naught without being plugged into the vine. Amen? Without doing it because of his purpose and his call, right? As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Once again, the, the branches need the vine. If you cut the branches off the vine, what happens? He's about to tell us, right? I am the vine and you are branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit going to be see souls saved for the kingdom right there's more there's more to that i'm going to get that just a second the next scripture i'm going to use this um six says if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered and and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned he's talking about the lake of fire right there he's talking about the lake of fire he's speaking to the church in another scripture jesus they, they asked jesus how many are going to make it and he said many will not make it i tell you Many, and you look up the word many, it means much, many, or most. He's talking to the church. What are we producing? The Bible says don't judge a man, judge his fruits. We think we have so many fruits. Where's the root, where's the root of, our, our, of our fruit? Think about it. Is it, just, is it just in my head that I'm producing fruit? Or is it from Jesus Christ himself? Is he the source of it? Or is it from my works? You see, there's got to be works to produce the fruit, but it's got to be from him. Does that make sense? Yeah. We got to go through the steps, but it can't just be my ordered steps. It has to be his ordered steps. Seven says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. So many times we want to just ask what we desire. We want to put away the abide part. Forget about the things that I got to do or the way that I got to live or the things that he's going to prune out of my life. He's not going to prune you if you don't want to be pruned. He'll allow you to stay right where you're at. If you're good with it, he'll leave you there. He'll turn you over to be whatever, with whatever you want to be with. He gave you a free will. Amen? We've got to have some change. So many people want to come to God and ask, though. They want to give all their desires, their laundry list so many times. So many times for, as Christians, that's what prayer is, or non-Christians alike. That's what prayer is. We want to come to God. We give them our laundry list of all the things that we want or need or we desire, and that's it. Give them to me, God. And if he doesn't give them to me in my time, I'm mad at him. When at the same time, I haven't been abiding. I haven't been living in his word. I haven't been meditating on it. Day and night. I haven't been doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I haven't been holding up my end of the deal. Amen? We all do this, don't we? I haven't been holding up my end of the deal, but I want what he has for me, right? Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
You know, he talks about all the basic needs, all the things that we need. And then he says, but seek God first and his righteousness first. Seek his ways first and all these other things will follow after you. Do you know that if you abide in Jesus, that blessing will chase after you? Think about that. It will chase after you. You don't have to chase after it. You don't have to chase after stuff or people or relationships or things or health or anything else. If you, if you chase after God, those other things will follow after you. But we get it all mixed up. and We think we got to work all these hours and do all these things and try to impress people and, and, and gain stuff. And, 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 and we got to be good in our own abilities and all the things that we try to do that we think that's our fruit. But we're not plugged into the vine. Think about it. Verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You want to be his disciple? Abide. Stay with him. Stick with his word. Do the things his word says, right? Galatians 5, 22 and 23, another type of fruit here. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what you're, this is what you're going to produce if you're abiding in God. You're going to see souls saved for the kingdom, but it's through this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And 23 says gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. There's nothing wrong with love. There's nothing wrong at all with peace. If somebody faults you for that, they got something wrong in their head, right? Nothing wrong with being patient or good or faithful. How faithful have you been going with God's plan for your life? Think about that. These things, the fruits of the Spirit, draw people in, right? Some of us fall short, or we all fall short somewhere in, this, in the fruits of the Spirit, do we not? We have, we have the Spirit that lives inside of us, but we all fall short somewhere in it. There's always room to abide more. There's always room to be pruned more. I would ask you today to talk to God and ask him to prune you. Whatever it is that you're hanging on to that you think is your good time, whatever it is you th that you're hanging into the, onto that you think is so important to you, if it gets in front of God, ask him to prune that thing out. Prune it out. doesn't matter what it is. Prune it out of me. Fruit doesn't produce seed until it's mature. You can't just come and sit in a little blue chair and be a baby Christian and get two hours of God a week or, or, or whatever it may be. Come on Sunday morning, we don't see you again until next Sunday, or we might not see you for a couple weeks. We see you two or three Sunday weeks down the morning. Or some, some of you may be a couple months before I see you again. You're not going to produce fruit until you're mature, right? I've grown some apple seeds from, or apple trees from apples, and I gave my mom and Andy one, and there's sat by their kitchen window, and it started growing up like this toward the sun because they didn't turn it. It died before it matured. Did you ever get any apples off that thing? Doesn't produce apples. Doesn't produce fruit until it's mature. We're not going to produce fruit until we mature, church. We're going to have to grow up. The Bible talks about being on the meat of the word. Not just what you come in here and get spoon-fed every once in a while. we got to dig in ourselves. we got to live the way he wants us to live, right? When we're living these things, when we're, when we're abiding in God, we will produce fruit. When we're abiding in Jesus, we will produce fruit. And that fruit draws people in. That's how, that's how you see that, that thing reproduce all the time. That's how you see souls saved for the kingdom, by us living the way we're supposed to be living. By us doing the things we're supposed to be doing, right? It's kind of like in sales. Why would somebody want it if you're not showing it off? Can you imagine me selling a weight loss product? Or how about a hair growth product? Brother Adam, you want to buy some? 
You wouldn't buy that from bald men, right? Why would you buy what Christians are given? Why would the world buy what we're putting out when we're not producing the fruit that we should be producing? Sure, we think we are. Sometimes we get to think we're producing fruit and we get a little better than we think we are. Or we think we're a little better than we actually are. Amen? And we look down our noses at people. That's the problem in the church so many times. If we're actually producing fruit, if we're actually abiding in Jesus, it will draw people, right? Everyone produces some kind of fruit, though. We're all producing fruit. It just may not be the fruit that Jesus is talking about here. Corn don't produce cantaloupe. Right? So if we're not living the way Jesus called us to live, if we're not abiding in him, are we going to produce more Christians? Are we going to more produce more folks like us? People that come in and, 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 and don't follow it down. If, if you want cantaloupe, you don't go buy corn seeds, right? If you want gain in your life and you want, and you want all these things, the, the promises of God, you don't do something else besides what he, what he prescribes for us to do. He prescribes for us to abide in me. If you abide in me and I abide in you, here's what's going to happen. And it's, it's not just this story right here. It's all throughout the Bible. You can look at multiple stories. I'm going to show you a few today, but it's all throughout the Bible. But, but first, let me get this. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Jesus speaking. My joy may remain in you that, and that your joy may, may be full. He's spoken these things about abiding in him, producing fruit, all these things. If you, don't, if you are producing fruit, he's going to prune you. If you're not producing fruit, he's going to cut you off and cast you out. You're going to burn the lake of fire. Think about this. Not just saying about saying a prayer. It's about producing fruit. It's about having that relationship, right? So, but, but think about this. If, if Jesus' joy it remains in you, that your joy may be full. If your joy is full, there's no room for bitterness. There's no room for unforgiveness. There's no room for anger. There's no room for wrath. There's no room for malice. There's no room for worry. How could you worry about anything if the joy of the Lord is on your life and you've been spending time with him and you're abiding with him and you're plugged in him and you know that he is your source, the source, not a source, the source. How could you worry? Right? There's no room for stress. There's no room for fear. There's no room for doubt. And that's how we look different than the world. There's no room for any of those things. If, you, if you're plugged into Jesus and you know that he's your source, right? And, and his joy is just bubbling over into your life all the time. That bubbling over begins to bubble out of you and it gets into other people. But how can you claim to be that if you're worried? If you're stressed? If you're freaked out? If you got a bad attitude? If you're talking about me? Think about it. Negatively, I'm talking about. Think about it. There's no room for any of those things. Not just me, but anybody else. If you're talking about anybody, how could they take that you have the joy of the Lord in your life when you're doing that, when we, when we do those things? In Matthew 3, it talks about a winnowing fork. And I was going to talk about this last week, but, but the Holy Ghost just took over, and it was way better than this anyway. But it talks about a winnowing, winnowing fork, and it reminded me of how God requires change. But, but if, you, if you read and you study about the winnowing fork, I'm, I'm talking about abiding Jesus still. But it talked about bringing the grain into the storehouse. And I always pictured the, the storehouse as at least having a roof on it. Maybe open wall, but at least having a roof on it. But it's not. It's something in, in, in that time that they would have taken a roller and they would have rolled the ground out and packed the dirt down and, and got the dirt real tight so the grain wouldn't go down into it. And then they would take the grain. Can you picture a grain as a stalk? With the seed, little seeds sticking up off of it. 
Y'all seen something like that before, like grassy, maybe a weed or something. They would take it by the stalk and they would beat it on the ground. And all the seeds and the, and the, and the chaff and the, and the holes and everything would fall off on, on this packed down dirt. They had it packed down hard where they wouldn't lose their seed. So they'd beat this stuff on the ground and it would all fall off there. And then the winnowing fork was like a, sort of like a flat bottom shovel. And they would take it. It says they would usually do this in the evening time because there was a breeze in this part of the world in, in the evening, most evenings. So they would take this grain on this threshing floor and they would toss it in the air. And as a slight breeze came by, the chaff would blow over into one pile and the grain being heavier would fall to the ground in a different pile. When you're tossed into the air, you're going through some things. Sometimes our life gets tossed in the air. It talks about Jesus being like a refiner, right? He purifies it through that. They were purifying that grain through that. It says the chaff goes over and it's burnt. Same thing he says is when you don't abide in him, you're, you're chopped off and you're burnt. The chaff goes and is, is, is cast in the lake of fire. It's burnt, right? The grain, only the good fruit falls to the ground. That's all that he wants is the good fruit. That's what he wants. He doesn't want the trash. He doesn't want all the junk, right? He requires change. He requires us to grow up. He requires us to get on the meat of the word, right? That's just one example in the Bible. Here's another example. In Joshua, in Joshua, uh, in, in the first chapter, Moses had just died, right? And, and God said, Moses, my servant, is dead, Joshua. Joshua was, was one of Moses' helpers. He said, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now you're going to be the head man in charge. Basically, it's happened what, what he's talking about through 1 through 6. He says, Everything, just as I was with, with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Everywhere that the sole of your foot treads belongs to you. Think about that promise right there. Everywhere that you walk to belongs to you. He told, he told Joshua, he said, as far as you can see the sun setting belongs to you. You're going to split it up and divide it among these people. Think about that. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So if you went outside today and you looked to the west, and as far as you can see to the west belong to you today, think about that. That's what God was saying to him. Everywhere as far as the sun sets, no man can stand before you. No man will be able to stand up to you all the days of your life, Joshua. That's what God was speaking to him. And it says in verse 7, I'm going to read 7 and 8 for you, only, the strong, only be strong and very courageous. That was Layla's memory verse for today, wasn't it? It's Layla's or Kylie's? Kylie's. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded. What's he saying? Follow after the law, right? Chase after me. Abide in me. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Follow along with God's law, right? How would you follow with God's law if you don't know what God's law is? We've got to get into it, right? We've got to meditate on it. He tells us next in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Speak about it all the time. Talk about the word. That's Why do you think he tells us to not fail not to assemble ourselves? Iron sharpens iron. People from the world aren't going to speak to you about the scripture. Are they? Your brothers and sisters in Christ are. He says, let it not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. He's talking about a constant relationship, continuous relationship, all the time. So many times, I talked about earlier, so many times people think prayer is bring God your laundry list. It's not. God wants a relate. We can bring our things that we want or we need or we desire, but God wants a relationship. God wants a relationship. <clears throat> that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. Isn't that saying basically the same thing? Just another example from the Bible, right? Psalms 1, 
1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. How are you going to talk about the word if you're hanging out with the ungodly? If you're hanging out in places you shouldn't be hanging out with. Going places you know you shouldn't be. That's hanging out in the counsel of the ungodly, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in, in the seat of the scornful. Two says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, he meditates day and night. Talking about abiding still. Jesus says, abide in me. How can we abide in God if we're not, or in Jesus if we're not going to abide in his word? He, they called him the word, the word. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, right? No man comes, right? The, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. How can we abide in Jesus without abiding in his word? Without getting into it, meditating it. Psalms 91 starts off by saying, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high. How do you dwell in the secret place of the most high? It's by that continuous relationship. It's by abiding in him. It's by continuously going back and going back. We have to live there. To abide or to dwell right there, to dwell in the, in the secret place means to live there. We've got to live in his presence, right? Smith Wigglesworth, I've told you this before, he says, I never pray more than 15 minutes. Many of you know who he is. Many of you may not. Go look him up. I never pray more than 15 minutes, but I never go more than 15 minutes without praying. Right? That really spoke to me. I've told you that repeatedly because it spoke to me, and I've tried to pattern my life more like that since I've heard that. It's something that stuck with me, and I, and I, and I try to just talk to God more and more as we, as we go throughout the day. And I, I picture it like this. Everything that I'm talking about today, Brenda and I have been putting some trails in this property that we have. So there, we have walking trails there, and it's really cool. A lot of places the trees are, are growing up over the top of the trail. You can't see the sky in, 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 in a few places, and, and there's some old cedars that... the it, the woods are so thick in places that the, the, the cedars are green on top, but at the bottom they're just cedar branches sticking out where they're dead. And there's a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff to look at in there, I, I think, anyway. But I, I enjoy, we, we enjoy stuff like that. But can you imagine walking around the whole place and not saying anything to my wife? And her not saying anything to me? But that's exactly how we treat God sometimes. We're walking around, taking in all the beauty that he's created, and we look right past it, and we forget that he made it for us to live here. You realize this whole earth was created just for me and you to live on it? Just for mankind to live here. There's not another purpose for it. And our purpose for being here is to have a relationship with him. So when we see everything that's out there in nature, we should realize, and, and why wouldn't I talk to him about it and just say, God, I appreciate that. I appreciate that sunset. I appreciate the color in the sky. I appreciate the moon. I appreciate the house you've given me to live in. I appreciate this. I appreciate that. Thank you for this. Yeah. I love you. I talk to my wife like that. I talk to my kids constantly. Can you imagine if I went through the whole day and didn't say anything to Brenda, but I spent the whole day with her? That'd be weird. It would, wouldn't it? Can you imagine staying all day with Adam or Delana and you, you all don't speak? Wouldn't that be strange? Why do we treat God that way? We need to realize that he's with us. He's omnipresent, so he's everywhere all the time. He, he lives inside of you. If you're saved, he's everywhere all the time. He's with me all the time. Why can't I speak to him throughout my day? Why can't I have a continuous relationship? Why can't I get into his word and talk to him about his word? 
Amen? Abiding in Jesus is easy when it's exciting. It's easy to do in church. It's easy when everyone else believes the same way. It's easy to do when you're around people of like faith. But it's not always popular. But it is what's right. Church, we've got to learn to abide in him all the time. We've got to learn to constantly be changing our lives. Constantly looking for what he wants. To be abiding in him, to be tapped into his word. He is the source, right? I can imagine some of the people that drink his wine and that, that ate his fish and listened to him preach. Later, you'll crucify him. Can't you imagine that? It was probably some of the same folks. Crucify him. After they'd seen everything, they, they had this relationship, but they didn't abide in him. That's why he said many will not make it. It's not, a, it's not enough to simply hear the word, right? James 1.22 teaches us we have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. If we're doing the word, guess what's going to happen? You're going to grow. You're going to mature. If you're growing and you're maturing, there's going to be fruit involved. But we've got to press into them. It has to be a constant thing. Doers have to be constant. It has to be continuous. It has to be a relationship. We look at it too often as about the rules or what I can or what I can't do. Let's look at it as a relationship. As I'm walking around today, remember to talk to him. Thank him. Tell him you love him. How many times you tell your wife or your significant other that you love him a day? Shouldn't it be more for him? Think about it. If it's not, maybe they're your idol. If we could just go ahead and close the prayer today. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy. Lord, I pray that someone gets something out of your word today, Father God. I pray that not that we just hear it, Lord, that we get something and we understand it, Lord. And, oh, yeah, it was good church service today, Lord. But, but that it changes us, Daddy. That it changes our lives, Lord, that it, that it just penetrates down deep inside of us, Father God, into good, rich, deep soil, Lord, and that this seed produces a bountiful harvest, Father God. Lord, we're praying for a hundredfold, Daddy. Lord, we thank you, Daddy, and we praise you, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would show us to begin to, to spiritually mature, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord. This, this doesn't exclude anyone, Father God. We thank you for that, Daddy. We thank you for your infallible word, Father God. Lord, we just love you and we praise you, Daddy. Please keep us safe, Father God. Bring us back here on Wednesday, Lord, and, and just set a fire inside of us, Dad, that, and, and remind us continuously, Lord, to abide in you. Abide in you, Father God. We thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.